Imagine what it'd be like if we were really curious about each other. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Relational Spirituality, the weekly podcast of LargerStory.com, the podcast that sees all relationships as spiritual and all spiritual formation as relational. Now here's your host for this week, Roseanne Moore. Hello, Larger Story audience. I am so grateful for a chance to be with you again today. I'm Roseanne Moore, I'm your host today, and I have a very special guest, my dear friend, Sherry Glorioso. Sherry has been one of my, she's been my best friend since college, Bible college. We met at the dorm on the first day that I arrived, and I knew this lady just brings joy and is so welcoming. I knew we were going to be friends. I had no idea at that point that she was not just going to be a friend, but she was going to be one of the best companions I've ever had in my life. Somebody who's walked through all of the crazy seasons of my life and just been a rock. I'm so excited that she's here today. She is married to Emil and they are parents of two sons and a daughter ages 16, 13, and 10. So she's right in the thick of the early high school, middle school years. So God bless you, my dear. Um, (laughs) Yes. And so I wanted to have Sherry here to talk about real church with me in part because she and I have both wrestled with together. What does it look like to be walking with Jesus in community? She's even though we don't live close to each other in very many ways, we've provided spiritual community for one another in times where we were struggling to find other places. And, and so we've had lots of conversations over the years about what does this look like and what does this whole following Jesus look like when it doesn't, does it ever look like what we think it's going to? I don't, I have yet to meet somebody who, who has it figured out and has that worked for very long. <laughs> right. Sherry, welcome. <laughs> Thank you for being here today. Thank you so much for having me, my best friend from college. Yeah. And she specifically And my heart. Yeah. <laughs> she specifically told me I can't tell you how long that ago that <laughs> I'll just say that Any laugh please? right there. <laughs> That laugh got us in a lot of trouble in the dorms <laughs> a certain number of years ago. <laughs> so dear. Uh, yes. Yes, we do. So Sherry, let's start by you sharing a little bit about, you had a before and after experience of coming to faith. It was pretty, you didn't grow up with a childhood belief in Jesus as much. It was a more dramatic coming to to Christ. Would you share about that a little bit? Sure. So I always knew God existed and I prayed, but I didn't know how personal he was. The fertilizer hit the ventilator and my work, my family, my debt was all out of control. And I was like, I had no idea how I'm going to survive. And, and you were a young adult, right? Yeah. A co-worker yeah. shared with me, she used the word scripture, which made me go, ooh, uh, <laughs> it sounded so serious with me about how God needs all of our needs, not some, not one, not a few, but all of our needs. 
And so as long as I didn't have to like stand up in front of a church and proclaim that, I was good. So that night on my way home, I was like, Lord, I really need you. I really need you in my life. And I just felt like this lightness and freedom start to come. And then my relationships started to heal and my financial situation started to get better. And then I was like, I really want to learn more about you, God. And as I was alone in a filing room, I heard Christian college locally. And so I was like, wow. And then I sobbed. And then I went to this Christian college and then that one closed. So I had to go to another Christian college. And Which I was is where we like, met. <laughs> yeah, where we met. Yeah. I only was a Christian nine months before going to Bible college. So there were times when people would talk about the Lord and how great he is and use all these wonderful adjectives. And I thought, wow, he's really an egomaniac. <laughs> <laughs> the things Sorry, people God. think, but don't say out loud. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I didn't till now. <laughs> right? No, it's awesome <laughs> to own that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I was confused on that. I didn't, didn't see how it all connected. And then when I went to South Carolina for college, it was very assured and conservative. And I just embraced everything that I was taught because I had no clue as to what was going on, like what's real and what's not. So right. you could have told me the sky was purple. And if that made me closer to God, I would look at the sky and see it purple. But it was also a good experience and it was a safe experience um, of the meeting and learning to study the Bible and having amazing professors and all of that. There were some glitches along the way that they didn't understand, but I just tucked them away. Uh-huh. One and of the glitches, things, yeah, give an example when you say glitches, yeah. what are the kind of things that raise question marks? Okay, the dress code was supposed to be modest for men and women, I think, but especially more for women, as we were taught that we can cause somebody else to stumble if we're not properly dressed. And uh, so the burden I have of a lot of thoughts else's, on that. <laughs> yeah, the burden of Don't somebody else's back. sanctification was suddenly your responsibility. Oh. Thank yeah. you. I couldn't find the words for it, but that's exactly it. So, and then I went, I walked, I was walking to my dorm and I saw a guy in a, in a tank top who was very well built. And I went, whoa. And then I felt, wait a minute, this isn't right. I feel this way. He shouldn't be in a tank top. So it was like, hmm. So that was confusing. And I even found like I was going through some old papers and stuff. I even found where I wrote on a paper that I have to be careful with what I wear because I can cause somebody else to stumble. And I was like, whoa, this is crap. It's oh, <laughs> <laughs> so okay. This is why I have you on here. Yeah. The whole, yeah. the whole thing of, of holiness being external and being able to, and instead of relational and one-sided, very one-sided in terms yeah. of, yeah. Yeah. There was a, another situation. I don't know if you were there when this happened, but we had a dean of women that was there who was lovely. And she couldn't stay because she got divorced. I don't know why she got divorced. However, one of the professors openly shared during a chapel that he had an STD that he got from seeking outside his marriage, brought it home to his marriage, and he still has a job. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Like uh, that just freaks me out. Yeah. Totally yeah. Freaks me out. Yeah. 
Wow. Yeah. No, I wasn't there for that. But yeah, that kind of discrepancy. I would imagine. Were you at a point yet where that was? You were probably it was probably presented like there was damage control around the situations and you accepted the explanation, right? Like, yeah, I did with the, with the, the, what do you call it? With the Dean of Women, because I, I had no knowledge myself was going on. I never saw divorce as bad because if my mother didn't get divorced, I would be a very different person. My father was not a nice person, but the, I don't know how they, how it was exposed that this professor went astray, but he gave a very big preaching moment about how he like, throwing their things away and blah, 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 blah. And I was just like, what is he talking about? And I didn't have him, which was nice. I remember sitting in the back going, this is really weird. This is really weird. But I didn't connect that until way later. I won't say how later, but (laughs) (laughs) until way later. (laughs) When I started to see the structure of what I was being taught. Yeah. I ended up having to leave school because of my health breaking down. But you and I stayed in touch. Um, and you were one of the few people who did. I was so isolated during that time when I was so sick, battling an autoimmune disease, but you stayed, you were, I wasn't letting go. (laughs) (laughs) Thank God. (laughs) Thank God for that. And, and came and visited even at times. And, and so even though you lived many, you know, this has always been an issue for us with God, like why she has to live so many states away. <laughs> I know. Move them closer together now. One of us or both of us. We That's one plan we've had. Let's meet in the middle someplace. Yeah. Like in Virginia or something. <laughs> oh, dear. But, um, but shortly after, I say shortly after, within a few years after I left school. You also left and your you faced a really difficult situation with your mom's health. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? It's it's hard to talk about because unless you saw what was going on, it was really weird. Um but my mother was not eating for long periods of time. She felt that she had a fast like Jesus did for 40 days and 40 nights. But she would go 80 days, 80 nights, and she wouldn't even swallow her own saliva. And she she was also battling cancer. Like we, didn't know, we didn't know that right? at that point. Yeah, oh, okay. We didn't know that she okay. had cancer at that point. Okay. When yeah. um, she was thinking that the reason why she couldn't eat was because she was going against God. And so if she did eat or drink something, she would have tremendous pain. Mm-hmm. Turns out that pain was coming from the cancer because she had a tumor the size of a football. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. What I remember of that time was just, you were trying to take care of her. You're trying to make sense of, because she was responding to this, what she felt was like the spiritual battle in ways that weren't, it was hard to know how to support her and help her. And Uh, And you were just dealing with the logistics of caring for a very sick person and trying to hold everything together. And then the emotional burden of trying to like figure out how do I, what kind of help does she need? 
And so how did that, okay, so you went from, I'm going to give my, turn my life over to Jesus because he's going to take care of all my needs to going to Bible college where these are, this is the list of what good Christians look like and do. And now you're in the middle of this situation with your mom that is crazy and you don't, and, and there's a lot of spiritual language and how do you make sense of that? Talk to me about in the middle of that, what were you wrestling with in terms of what it meant? Where was God in that? Where was spiritual community helpful in that nitty gritty of the mess of real life? Where was it not helpful? When she was doing the fasting there, unless you said what she wanted to hear, she wouldn't listen to anything you had to say. Mm -hmm. So she was like admitted into the hospital and the psychologist was talking to her forever, needing to eat and blah, 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 blah. Her priest came and friends came, but she just, she was on her quest mm -hmm. and she felt like she was on the right path. I didn't know anything and I just was like, I'll do whatever you want. Just love me. I would bring her to the hospital when she would agree to go. And she was in and out, I think three times in an eating disorder unit and everything. So it was pretty crazy. The church community really came. My mother became very active in her church and a lot of people came to help take care of her when she was in the cancer stage. It was almost like cancer was a relief from it made this. sense to them. Yeah. So it was like, oh, okay. And she ate. She didn't, mm -hmm. I don't know if she ate three meals a day, but at least she was eating because I would have meals with her and stuff. And that was a bit of a relief. And then instead of going to hospice, people from church who were very close friends of hers came around and did home care for her around the clock, stayed with her throughout the night, stayed during the day when I went to work. They were very generous with their time and their love towards my mom. So I was really grateful for that because I couldn't handle it. You know, and I remember my aunt was calling me to come home because it was my shift. And I'm like, but I don't want to, <laughs> I yeah. just don't want to. <laughs> yeah. You know, and I you were in your twenties like before she died. Yeah. Yeah. You mm. were young. Oh, sorry. Am I supposed to not say that? <laughs> I'm still young. I yes. Have, like, yes. Found the fountain of youth. <laughs> Yes, but your youth then was like, that was a lot for a, somebody. For a person. You know, for, <laughs> yes, for a daughter. For any person. Yeah, yeah. It would have been difficult for anybody. But yeah, it was a lot for you to be carrying at that state, life stage. Let's put it that way. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, dear. And then, so I know one of the things we both, we were trying to both make sense of how do you find how do we find God in the middle of this? How does it make, like, what's he doing is this doesn't seem, we were looking for answers, looking for ways to make sense because I think a lot of what had shaped, I know for myself, a lot of what had shaped my view of walking with God was you like, you figure out what God's will is. You try to be obedient to it and and he blesses you. He might not bless you with money and like worldly things, but certainly he's going to bless you with meaning and things will have purpose and he'll provide and you won't be ground to dust. <laughs> and we were both in situations that were just overwhelmingly grueling 
just really difficult. And so what did it mean to trust? How did we make sense of that? What did faith look like? I think, I think I went through a lot of stages. You were talking about the whole, he seems full of himself. I remember reading Hannah Whitehall Smith, The Unselfishness of God, and thinking, oh, okay, maybe he's not as big a jerk as it seems. Because I had those questions too. It wasn't one of those things. It's like you demand so much. And I remember reading that book where she talks about like everything that God does, like even his call for us to glorify him. If he is utterly unselfish in his nature, then everything he calls for us to do, even when it involves sacrifice, is ultimately good because he is good. He is unselfish. And I remember at that time, that was very comforting. There would be later seasons where I'm like, are you sure about that? (laughs) And that is, I think, something I, whenever I go through dark night seasons, wrestling with that, with the goodness of God is something probably that, and I may for the rest of my life, that's probably the, the issue of, struggle of doubt of questioning that I have the most in the, in my darkest, in the seasons that have been darkest. That's the question I wrestle with most, not is God powerful, but is he good? And what I keep coming, have to come back to the cross with again and again as evidence of his goodness. But Anyway, okay, so I'm talking with the cross for a long time. I'm a Christian walking with the Lord, but was like everybody's saved, quote unquote, but me. I just happened to be in the room at the right time. And uh, that if I had come to Jesus sooner, I wouldn't have so much pain in my life. I saw healings going around. I was Mm -hmm. like in the thick of depression and had all this stuff going on. I didn't know what it was, but I'm like, well, how come everybody else gets something but me? What am I missing? I went very inward a long time. One of the things I think Larry talks about in real church is the danger of coming together in a place where we're, where the focus is on right living and behavior Mm -hmm. modification and not being able to struggle with the kind of things that you're talking about. Like for both of us, there were underlying, everybody has a story. Everybody has underlying Um, Larry talked about our, and you've been through school spiritual direction as well. Mm -hmm. So every Larry talked there about how we have ways as children, before we have a knowledge of God, that we wrongly define life or death. This thing that feels so good feels like that is the source of life for me, or this painful thing that feels like it has to be avoided at, at all costs that is death. Whereas scripture defines life as drawing near to God and knowing God being close to him and death as separating ourselves from him, stepping back from him. And I think, I wonder what it would have been like for either of us during those years of struggle that was so intense to be able to go beneath how we, how you felt about depression and to be able to really name and find the gospel meeting you. He, the Lord's done that over time, right? He's gone to the core of that. 
but I, sooner, but <laughs> just well, saying. <laughs> I wonder what it would look like as believers if we were more focused on that inner story and finding God in our in, in that personal story of where we're looking for life in the wrong places, where we're like fearing death that's not really death. It's painful. It's traumatic. It can be evil, but it doesn't have to separate us from God. And and wonder what it would have been like to have been able to look at that in spiritual community instead of to be wrestling with anxiety or depression and be told, oh, just don't fear. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know? yeah. Just give your fear to God. Yeah. Praying it'll go away. Yeah. I didn't get a lot of that because of like over-spiritualizing my depression, but I struggled with it so much because like it affected me so much and it's very self-focused because I'm battling this. Like I'm not available for my family. I'm just like, leave me alone. I'm having a bad day. And that's not fair. There is a genetic component to this. There is a spiritual component to this. There's so many things that was going into it. But now I finally feel like I could be depressed, but still be a mom. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Or fight the depression. But, uh, but yeah, it was really, it, and it's becoming more common now for people to talk about, I hate the phrase, mental health issues, celebrities and whatever. And that's good. But I don't know if everybody really has a full understanding of what what it means and how it affects people. Because there's that taboo. Oh, ooh, you're taking a whatever. You must not be trusting God. Or if you are really a Christian that kind of mindset. And I didn't experience that, but it's there. So maybe I didn't talk about it. I don't know. I don't know. It was just, um, yeah, with the depression, it was very self-focused. So I don't think I would have been able to be part of a church community to like work through the way that Larry talks about like what's church. I don't think I would have been emotionally available to get there. I had a lot of work when I first met Larry, remember? (laughs) <laughs> what do you say? I had to take off the take off the grave whip. clothes. The grave clothes, yes, yeah. and start living. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was something that like bump, bumping in the right direction. That phrase and that at that conference and stuff. So it was like God's appeared over the years in different in my life where I'm like, I know this is God. I never stopped believing. I just got to the point where. I was like, okay, so there's no, no fellowship outside of Sunday. And if there was, it was like always nice and polite conversation. And I'm not really good at nice polite conversation. You're good you know at going deeper. I mean? So how's yeah. your dog? Yeah. <laughs> Is your toenail still bothering you? It just, it's just not. That's not where my brain goes. Tell me your heart. I'll give you mine. You know. Yeah. Yeah. But with that and then COVID hitting and there being no church and then starting to see the to get more clarity of who Jesus is started coming but I didn't have anything to hold on to yet you know what Mm -hmm. I mean like oh so he's funny so he has a sense of humor and he's Mm -hmm. not just like this holier than thou you will obey me because I saved you so that's what I feel has been missing, like the heart of Jesus, because you can go to any church and you can get theology and you can get doctrine, but you, I need the heart of Jesus. I really mm-hmm. need the heart of Jesus because life is not easy. 
stuff has happened to women over whatever. We've gotten the short end of the stick because we were told to be a certain way and that's not what God is saying for us to do and all of that. I hate that word, but that misogynistic stuff. <laughs> no, I think in the last few years, as things have come out in the SBC and other other denominations, and not just denomination, you know, we sit in Hollywood and everybody's, oh yeah, of course it's Hollywood. But then to have it come out again and again, what that abuse has been covered up in, in churches, I think that has, for me, I've really wrestled with the question of, okay, I believe in Jesus. I know he hates this evil, but how do I do community with people who don't seem to hate this evil? <laughs> and it's, yeah, I have, and I know you've wrestled with that too, of the, like, how do we respond to this? How do we respond to um, things that have been exposed about? And it's not just, didn't know how to handle a situation well, but like you said, there's deep, deep seated misogyny and I think idolatry of celebrity that has also played a role. And it's not just out there. I was, I spent to, you knew me during the season, I spent 10 years in an organization that had a lot of abuse of people. And so I know some of the ways that I colluded with the organization, I accepted explanations and glossing over and was a part of that to maintain my position in the, in that organization, that community. And, and we conform like scripture gets misused to make us think we're doing something that, okay, we're protecting the church. We're protecting what God is doing. Yeah. How warped is that? That it, because he's not big enough to take care of his own church. <laughs> no, he can't. He only created the world in seven days. <laughs> oh dear, what shall I do now? Yeah, Lord. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's so it is. It's so twisted. It's so warped. And the whole idea that he actually gave his son to deal with sin, like it was drastic. Sin is evil enough. It's drastic enough that it required the cross for our redemption. And yet we think we somehow need to cover this thing up, like to make things look good. If he was willing to take it that seriously, then we should too. <laughs> we might prevent people from coming to Jesus if they know that we sin and we're not perfect. So we have to present perfect so yeah. we can draw in the lost. Yeah. Because Jesus is not perfect lost people, saved, right? Yeah, he saves perfect people. He doesn't save sinners. Yeah, exactly. It's so messed up. <laughs> it's such a distortion. That's a good point, though, because I think a lot of times what gets presented is that we're saved by grace, but we're sanctified by effort. And one of the things that I loved most about Larry uh, was the whole invitation to be willing to own where I am, not where I wish I was, not where I want to be, but to like own where I am and to bring that to God again and say, yeah, I still need a savior. I, here I am. I still need a savior. And to, and, and to realize that it's almost counterintuitive instead of trying harder to be better, to be able to enter that darkness, to bring it to him, not just enter it and wallow in it 
but bring mm -hmm. it into his presence, trusting that I'm going to be met with love and delight, not over what I may be like rest in sin over, but he, that he still delights in me and, yeah. and that he's not shaken by my ability to fail. <laughs> that does not shake him at all. He's able to handle it. And then in that, out of that being looking bad in the presence of love, as Larry talked about the liberating power of looking bad in the presence of love to, to then have released in me the desire to live differently, not the pressure to live differently, but yeah. the actual desire to live differently. Yeah. Yeah. It's been quite a journey. You it, had, it, it sorry, is, go it's ahead. Just, it's where was I going to go with this? You're talking about like the red dot. Larry, we talk about. Yes. Uh huh. Yeah. That's hard. That looking inward is not easy, but it it's it relieves the pressure valve, mm -hmm. something that's ready to explode. When mm -hmm. it's like when you're being that honest and laying it down, even though we might have to do it again and again, it right. just like you could breathe better. Yeah. Well, it's not okay. So, like God knows, He knows I'm going through this. He knows why I feel this way. He knows how I feel. So it's He's not going to be shocked, you know. Right. And one of the other trick phrases that used to, I don't know. Anyway, is God allowed it? Crap happens in life. Sorry, stuff happens in life. Bad thing happens to good people, bad people, whatever. And I had bad stuff happen. I was abused, and I was told. That God allowed it. But then at the same time, I was told he was weeping next to me. So which is it? Was mm -hmm. he sad or was he just saying, here, have her? I need to believe that he was weeping. So just because something happens doesn't mean it's God's will, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. I think just people get in the way of God's will and causes an effect that goes onward. You know what I'm mm -hmm. saying? And the consequences and everything. Does that make sense? Yeah. I think if it were his will, he wouldn't punish it. I'm sorry. Right? If it were just if it were just his will for people to do evil, then he wouldn't judge it. He wouldn't wind up punishing it. Yeah. Unfortunately, you don't always see the punishment here on earth. But, right. No, um, but it's promised that will come. Yeah. All things will be brought into the open and judged. And yeah. Right. Yeah. And we have choices like the guy who drinks too much and just hits another car and there's people in there and they die. That wasn't God's will for that car to be there at that right time. Can he redeem it without a doubt? Will he? Absolutely. That doesn't mean it was his will. That's a big thing that I struggled with. So I needed to get mm -hmm. that out there. <laughs> no, I, yeah, I agree. I agree. And I'm trying to think the, yeah, how you said that the, you need to know that he, and I feel this way a lot too. It's not enough for me to know, like there's reasons and all the other, like all that stuff does not help me. No. I need to know that his heart is even more broken over evil than mine is. That's yeah. that bridges things so that I can trust in the midst of things. Yeah. Uh, I think that was one thing I last, last winter, we did a webinar with Philip Yancey and I mentioned in that to him that his book, why the question that never goes away had been really just faith saving for me at a really difficult season because he said in there, Christianity is the only religion that gives us the language of protest that other religions try to, on some level, make it like 
minimize evil, make it so that we should be able to just be okay and go on. Mm -hmm. He said, when Christians do that, they're not being biblical. Like the Psalms are the language of protest. Mm -hmm. It's God crying. It's not just the Psalm psalmist crying out against evil, but God himself like crying out against evil and the, and what it does in the world and promising that judgment and redemption will come. And yeah, I, that's a good point, Sherry. I'm glad you brought that up. Cause I think for a lot of victims of abuse, trying to, I think sometimes it's, it is meant well, and I've done this. I've been guilty of this. Sometimes it's meant well of trying to reassure God's going to redeem and all of, but it ends up being minimizing. And I think it's an avoidance of pain rather than being willing to enter the pain. Yeah. Yeah. And I think people use that language because they can't do it themselves. Because we all, like you said, we all have a story and we all have an ache in our hearts and it might not be the same type of situation, but I have to stay in the, I need to believe that this was God's will in order for me to survive. The pain of like looking at it and going, this really, can I say a bad word? This really stinks is not, it's just not easy. It's just not easy. I mentioned that recently at a Bible study because they were talking about God's will and God's will and God's will. And I'm like, so this is this was part of my confusion is somebody can tell me use a scripture verse and say this is god's will and then somebody take another scripture and say that um it's not so what's real so my struggle for a long time has been who are you like where's your heart and who are you i haven't given up on my faith i just was like i just can't i can't take a a theology a theology class in church You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Like, where's your heart? I need to know your heart because if I know your heart and I know that you were there, all those times that I went through my pain with my mother and with the abuse and a whole bunch of other stuff, then I could breathe. But Mm -hmm. if it's because it was your will, that kind of makes it like you don't really like me that much. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's the will of God that we be holy as he is holy. So that pretty much takes out all the crap that we do to one another (laughs) off the table (laughs) as, and then what he does redemptively is his will, but that's him stepping into our evil. That's not him initiating the evil. Right. Right. Yeah. 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 And then yeah, when I that's... mentioned that the the lady who was leading it, I think that we should, we as Christians should just not use that phrase. He allowed it. It's no. So many horrors in this world. And I don't think God's going, you should suffer this and you should suffer that for any reason. Just there's evil in the world that interferes with who God wants us to be. Yeah. Paul in the world is a serious thing. Yeah. I'm sorry. We talk about the, like, we live in a fallen world. Oh, that's just a thing to say. But like that you're talking about the, like the intricate, complicated impact of life in a fallen world is that kind of granular brokenness. Yeah. That's not just a theological construct. That is a daily agonizing reality in so many ways. Okay. We are getting close to the end of our time. Okay. And so I want to bring this back to how... God met you recently in this whole thing of coming, I don't know, full circle is because you're in the 
we're going to see what God does going forward. But you were just telling me that he really met you um, last weekend. And so I want to give you a chance to talk about that. It was so exciting because I didn't expect it, but he is the God of unexpected. So for years, I was like, love God, love people. And that was my theology. I was searching for the heart of Jesus and trying to find a place where I belong that will share that because there's a them versus us with Christianity. You can't hang out with the sinners, although we're supposed to because they need to be saved. There's this person has a certain sin in their life, so you can't be their friend or they're not worthy of love and stuff like that. And I was really struggling with that a lot. And I was like really struggling with what's true. What, who are you? Who are you? What is true about you? Are you this like stern blah, 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 blah. Do you have a heart back and forth? And then for whatever reason, I listened to an Easter service online, which I haven't been to church online in person since pre-COVID. And uh, I just listened. And for the first time, like my wall came down and I connected and it felt so good. It just felt so good as she was sharing about the resurrection and who Jesus is and, you know, what we have with him. I was like, wow. So the next week I went to church live and in person and God (laughs) used her (laughs) to cover every issue that was in my heart. (laughs) That's so cool. Um, So like them, the us, the, what do you do? The, how about this? And, and she just gave this incredible sermon. I don't, it was was just so spirit filled and it was just so amazing. And I was like, in my head, I'm thinking, what about ABC? And then she's, oh yeah. And ABC, blah, 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 blah. (laughs) We all have those moments when the service was meant for you, but every single thing, this woman was like, Sherry, this is for you. Yeah. This is so you. she's being led by the spirit of God in the moment. And it's so evident <laughs> that he's speaking yeah. through her and to you. Yeah. 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 That's and, awesome. and, and I like the part that I'm saying her. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I didn't think that would happen. And, and I didn't think that would happen, but she's awesome. Uh-huh. She's amazing. She's, she's the real deal. She doesn't worry about like forgetting what she's saying or she loses a thought or she just like, puts it all out there. Uh just puts it all out there. And that's what I need. Not like, this is what we should do. And this is what the Bible says. Not, yeah, we need to listen to the Bible, but don't give me a- She's incarnating it. She's not just teaching it from her head. She's incarnating it. Yeah. Yes. It's a good word for it. Yes. That's very much what it was. That's very much what it was. And at the end they had, if you've been like away from God or you've been doing this or you've been doing that, everything I've been doing, if you want to come up to the altar- and I have a friend who is behind me who's always like, why haven't I seen you in church? And we ended up sitting in front of her. She didn't really give me a choice. She just kind of put her <laughs> hand on my back and led me up to the altar. <laughs> we all need friends like that sometimes. <laughs> but it was just what I needed. She, yeah. she prayed exactly what I needed. And then after, after the service, I just got to tell her, like, you know, how she was used by God to help me. And it was a really cool thing. It was a really cool thing because, yeah, I never had that kind of direct instruction come from somebody. And I really didn't know her well. You know what I mean? But I like that we have the same background and like, she's just the real deal. So I feel like I could trust here. 
you know, that not that she'll be perfect or anything, but like God is right. working in this church. That's the thing, right? We can, and Larry talked about this in real church, like you can meet together in an organization and it can be not any different from a country club. Like you can do mm -hmm. good things. You could, you can feed, feed the poor. You can do various good things, but what is it that happens in our midst that only the spirit of God can do? And she was, that pastor was allowing the spirit of God to move through her. You were opening your heart to hear his voice and your friend behind you was like, obviously being led by the spirit. <laughs> and so what does it look like to be, to actually be tuned in to the spirit of God and allow our coming together as the people of God to encourage one another? That's a beautiful example of what only God can do. So yeah, thank you. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. We're going to need to wrap up for today. This has been so fun, Sherry, and I'm going to do it again at some point. Thank you for being with me. Thank you for having me. We got through this out without anybody spitting their drink into the computer. While I'm from laughing, but I'm going to wait. <laughs> Many of those memories. <laughs> yeah, when we were talking, like I pictures popped up in my head. Those moments. <laughs> yes. Yes. You know what? It was funny. On the way to school today, we took one of my son's friends who's here in the neighborhood and he accidentally said photogenic memory instead of photographic memory. And I'm like, that's the memories where you look good in all of the things you remember. Right? <laughs> Those are our memories, Sherry. <laughs> oh, dear. It's so good. <laughs> All right. We are going to wrap up for today. Everybody, thank you for joining us. I hope you are encouraged. And if you want a copy of Real Church, we are either to read on your own or to be a part of our reading and relating book club discussions, go to the Larger Story website and you can get one there and actually get one, buy one, get one 50% off. There's a sale right now. So we hope you will join us in our reading community and see you back next week. Thanks so much. Thank you. Alrighty. Right. If you like what you heard today, hit the like button just below, then come back by subscribing to our podcast channel for more resources on relational spirituality go to our website at largerstory.com.